All right, welcome back to Indie Ball Nation. We are doing something a little bit different, which I don't even know if that counts because we've only done two shows here. So, you know, neither of them have even come out on the day that, you know, they're supposed to come out. But we'll say we're doing a little something different here as if every day ain't different here in Indie Ball Nation. We want to hop right in to the main story because Monday morning there was a press conference in Frederick, Maryland. Again, as we've discussed here, Frederick will be the home of the 10th Atlantic League team in 2023 already home with the Frederick Keys in the MLB Draft League, and there's some rumors already swirling that this could be a more permanent stay for Frederick, not just a one-year thing once Hagerstown is ready to go for the Atlantic League. It's a lot to keep up on there already, so everyone was really interested in how this press conference was going to go. Now, first things first, they have a name, the team promotion, so it's confirmed. It's not going to be the Keys. Keys staying in the Draft League for now. We'll see how things play out. Uh, Name the team promotion. There's a website you can go to. Uh, I'll try to remember to link it in the show notes, but uh, be, uh, nothing too uncommon. You get like a prize, you get tickets, you get uh, first pitch, something it's like a jersey, I think, if you get it right. So throw out your best names. I got some weird ones. We'll maybe come up with that later. Maybe that'll be an episode. Maybe we'll just spitball uh, sometime on maybe the Friday episode. We'll just start throwing out some really bad ideas. But we're some great ideas. I mean, look at us accidentally naming a team. I could totally see it happening. Uh, but we're going to move right on past that because... Really what we're talking about is what they talked about behind just the naming contest in Frederick, uh, as well as sort of the comments made around the press conference itself. First and foremost, Chuck Domino and Mary Nixon were named as executives for the company that is overseeing it. Uh, and of course, I'm always going to remember, or I'm never going to remember the name. It's Attain Sports and Entertainment. They oversee both the Frederick Keys and the Bowie Bay Sox. They also now oversee this third team yet to be named. Uh, but... It is noteworthy that Chuck Domino and Mayor are coming over because they were in Charleston with the Dirty Birds. And they've been there for the last two years, oversaw the rebrand there. And now we see them coming to Frederick, Maryland. So it's interesting. Uh, lots of people have been leaving Charleston. That's a totally different conversation. Same owners as Lexington, who just sold. So you can see how that's going uh, quite well there. Uh, but Chuck Domino is extremely noteworthy. Nine-time Executive of the Year Award winner in minor league baseball. It doesn't even seem possible for one man in one lifetime, but that is who he is. I live in Reading, Pennsylvania. That is where he sort of made his uh, made his reputation in here in Baseball Town, as it's come to be known. Um, and if you don't, if you're like that, ain't Baseball Town, right? No, literally, it's on the sign. Like we got a sign, so it counts. Count it, count it. Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, come hang, by the way, if you're in the area. Let me know. We'll go to a Reading game when it's not 25 degrees and snowing out. Uh, neither here nor there. We're back at it. Uh, but in regards to that announcement, they did actually cite uh, during the press conference the experience with the new stadium with new stadium construction and rebranding in the past. I think it's interesting that they mentioned new stadium construction because, uh, as far as I know, no new stadium has been announced in Frederick. So perhaps that's sort of uh, hinting at the future plans that they might have there. I know. The Frederick mayor mentioned that this is a step toward returning to affiliate baseball. So that seems to be certainly on his mind. Uh, and, you know, maybe this is partially them illustrating that, you know, if they can be successful with two teams, possibly get some new facilities, boom, affiliations. Like the step one, success with two teams, not just in the draft league, which is a different conversation. Uh, new facility, affiliation, step four profit. Like, that kind of thing. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. I think that really made more clear what Frederick is thinking. I'm hearing from more and more people that Frederick is definitely looking to uh, not just rely on the draft league moving forward. I, uh, if you don't know the draft league, it's a group of, it's uh, you know what, I'll pull it here. I didn't actually think I was going to go into this today, but give me one second. I can get it for us. 
It's a group of teams, and it's not many. It's the Fredder Keys, Mahoning Valley Scrappers, State College Spikes, Trenton Thunder, Williamsport Crosscutters, West Virginia Black Bears. It's a good chunk. I mean, that little area, what is it? You know, Jersey to Western PA, uh, West Virginia, down toward Maryland. So it's sort of a, a, a bubble there on the Mid-Atlantic. And uh, it, that's the group of, you know, formerly affiliated teams that got cut loose a couple years ago. And, yeah, you know, there was a deal where if you want to go to Indie Ball, MLB will kind of help you pay your way because you got to pay into a league. Um, famously, Trenton had some very negative thoughts on that. It'll be interesting to see what Trenton does moving forward. But, uh, yeah, it, it, these teams decided instead they want to do college summer route with some of, I guess, the top prospects that you can get. But um, from what I hear, it hasn't quite been what they hoped it would. Maybe it's not quite getting the financial support that they were hoping from MLB. Now, a lot of them... For the record, it's not only not paying into a league, it was much cheaper because you don't have to pay for the players. They're college kids, so you don't have to pay them. But, uh, you know, you do have to pay your players and the other indie leagues. So you can see kind of how they arrived at this. is a, a huge amount of money that they would be saving. But I think a couple years in the experiment here, the draft league, you know, you never really hear about the draft league, do you? That's not a great sign. So, um, yeah, I think the level of competition hasn't been what they thought. I think they thought having MLB draft league would kind of bump them up above every other college summer league and just... There's so many well-established leagues, famous leagues. Leagues are local to where guys live. You know, they just, it's hard to compete. And I don't think it's what they thought. I don't think it's what MLB thought. And I yeah, I think there's a five-year contract for that thing. Don't quote me on it. But I would not be surprised if the writing is starting to be on the wall and teams are starting to be like, hmm, maybe we should make a plan here to get out. So, again, something to keep an eye on. A lot of conjecture there, but that's what I'm hearing from uh, enough people where I'm confident of saying, like, that is what I think is going to probably happen here. I would not be surprised if multiple teams made their way uh, into indie ball specifically. I mean, that's right in the Atlantic League footprint. The Atlantic League's been trying to expand and struggling to do so. So that's a, a good look. And not, I mean, struggling. I mean, they just expanded last year. But, um, you know, they've been struggling to, obviously, they've had a filler team for now. This will be the second straight season. So that is, I think, constituting a struggle. I'm not trying to shade anybody there. But that's maybe a, a roadmap for how both the Atlantic League and some of these draft league teams might move forward. State College, um, I'm just trying to look through. I mean, Williamsport, that's a good, interesting market. That's no, we'll do that for a different conversation. I think we could sort of pick apart the potential future next indie ball teams because that's something I actually get messaged about a lot too. So let's devote an actual like episode and conversation to that. I'm not just going to offhand it here too much, but that's the draft league to a Lankley correlation. And I think why Frederick is really looking to, um, do something a little more substantial to prove, you know, what they can bring to the table. And I said before, I think Frederick's a good market. I think for the draft league, which has pretty low attendance, Frederick, I think, has had pretty good attendance. So that is, I, I think, so far so good. I'm encouraged to see they seem to be really thinking things through here. And hopefully uh, Chuck and Mary can get them going in the direction they want to go. Mary her, herself also has a very impressive resume. I uh, worked with Lehigh Valley and a couple other teams. So um, not just want to shine light on Chuck, but also Mary brings a lot to the table too. She's um, someone I've worked with a little bit in the past. So I know that she has quite the resume on her own. But, you know, when you're traveling around with Chuck and all those nine times, I mean, nine times is a lot of times, man. It's no no shade to anybody else. I mean, Chuck kind of shades. His name's Chuck Domino. Like, it's like a cartoon character, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's kind of, if you're walking with Johnny Bravo, they're kind of, you know, it's going to not really stick out. I mean, it, it just, it's tough. I mean, even the name. Chuck could have accomplished nothing. It's like, oh, Chuck Domino, he must be a kind of a guy, you know what I'm saying? But um, that's the kind of hard-hitting analysis I think people come here for. 
before we move on to our further news items here, because I have to just stop my train of thought on that because it was going to go downhill. To summarize, uh, yeah, name the team con- uh, contest going on. Frederick is looking forward toward the future, definitely looking to get back to her affiliation, but I think the most likely road would probably be through Indie Ball. Should not take me this long to get to that, and I apologize for wasting your time. Before we move on to our next news item, I'm Ryan, and this is very much Indie Ball Nation. Listen up, y'all. Roster rules. Oh, hold on. Actually, nope. Sorry. That says roster rules. We're talking about roster rules today. But first, we will be taking a look at the normal news, which by that I mean, let's be honest, transactions at this point is going to be the bulk of things before we get into all the different roster rules that we've hinted at and vaguely sort of discussed in the past year already on our first two episodes, but I figure we could go in depth there. Now, as for transactions, there wasn't much in the way of Atlantic League moves other than, you know, moving into Frederick, how about it? But in the American Association, they did have some action worth discussing. So the Chicago Dogs, they were busy making a couple deals with Frontier League teams. Look at them, you know. Crashing a family reunion saying, what up? I'm Chicago. How about some trading? They acquired Righty Ryan O'Reilly from... Ryan O'Reilly is a tremendous name, by the way. Let's not overlook that. Ryan O'Reilly, great name, from Evansville for a player to be named later. They also rounded out a previous trade with Schaumburg for a player to be named later by acquiring Matt Botcher. Uh, he's an outfielder with some infield experience from his college days. I believe that this was completing the Tanner Shears trade, if I track that back properly in the transaction notes. Um... Outside of that, Gary South Shore also made some moves with the Frontier League. They traded infielder Tom Walraven to the New York Boulders for right-handed reliever Matt Leon, who had one hell of a season uh, in 2022. Actually, they both did. They, they both look very good. That's a big trade. Both those guys might just ball out next season. I do have projections for Tom Walraven knocked in, uh, locked and loaded already. Uh, I, I don't have it for everybody, but I do have it for some people, so as they come up, I'll definitely talk about it. Uh, Tom, he projects to put together a really good season. If he's moving from the American to the Frontier, projections like him to hit 300 or above, OPS plus above 110, uh, should be worth about two wins above replacement in New York. So that's a very good deal, I think, for both sides, actually. I think that fills out some roster needs and also adds some pop to that New York lineup. Uh, finally, the Lincoln Salt Dogs, uh, they re-signed lefty reliever David Zaz. I want to say Zaz is Z-O-Z on that one. Uh, <laughs> Zaz feels good, doesn't it? feels about right, so we're going to go with Zaz, and we're just not going to really stress about it. And then if we get a correction in my DMs, well, guess what? Well, then we'll make the correction. Anytime you can keep a solid lefty for your pen who fits roster restrictions in a league like the American Association, that is a very good day. So Lincoln Salt Dogs got their guy there. In the Frontier League, the cross-league deals weren't done as Evansville received a righty rotation piece Tyler Beardsley for a player to be named later. Elsewhere, the Washington Wild Things signed righty starter Spencer Johnston. Interesting to see Joliet, by the way, letting Spencer Johnston uh, walk after he looked pretty good for them. He had nine outings last year. Obviously, it wasn't a huge stint, but he did look very good. Um, but that is looking like a very good grab from the Washington Wild thing, as long as there's nothing really going on there that I'm unaware of. That would be why they would leave, let him walk. Uh, a lot of those things come down to the roster restrictions we're about to talk about, uh, where, you know, just maybe ages get a little tight, like how many people we can have with the amount of professional experience. Again, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but right now, that Spencer Johnston pickup looks like a very good one from the Washington Wild Things. Moving out of the big four indie leagues to the group of three, we had no big news, so we'll kind of rapid-fire catch up on some Pecos League uh, stuff that sort of happened underneath my radar, uh, more sort of 2023 roster-building type of stuff. 
the Black Wolf Flyer catchers have added pitchers. And again, I'm just going to list these guys. I'm not really going into it. Projections, all that. That's uh, we'll do a Pecos League preview, and that's when I want to deal with a lot of this stuff. But for now, a lot of these guys don't have a ton of pro experience, if any, and there's not a lot to go on. So we're just going to sort of go through them. If you're curious, now you know. And if not, well, then I didn't take too much of your time, then did I? So uh, the Black Wolf Fly Catchers, uh, they got pitchers Cade Williamson, Charles Johnson II, and David Hoppy, as well as outfielder Dominic Pisano. Uh, the Monterey Amberjacks added. Brendan Flaherty, Joseph Barons, and Lucas Sherman on the mound. Catcher, Sean Bennett. Shortstop, Anthony Ward. And outfielder, Rodney Scarver. The Santa Rosa Scuba Divers gets me every time. <laughs> Pitchers, uh, Cameron Duffett and Marcelo Garcia-Cruz. They also added shortstop, Calvin Cromwell. Another solid baseball name. The newly minted Maryville Drakes. It'll be their first year in the league. They have snatched up pitchers Dylan Gossman, Jalen Gordon, Joseph Stark, and Tim Nichols. They also put uh, they also picked up shortstop Earl Johnson and third baseman Eric Mitchell. Uh, the Vallejo Seaweeds signed pitchers Ike Horn and Quentin Oxner, Oxner possibly. Third baseman Caleb Notev and outfielder Sam Mulder. I believe last week I was talking about. Um, P.J. Phillips, previous managerial experience, and I said uh, he was in Vesalia. He was definitely in Vallejo, but they just all those like West, all those random cities run together with me, especially like Pacific Association and Pecos cities. So my bet on that one, but no one called me on it. So I think we're all kind of on the same page when it comes to like the Pacific Association. Uh, shout out, hey, Pacific Association could come back. We don't know. We kind of know, but we don't know. Moving along, the Lancaster Soundbreakers. They have pitchers Eric Jackson and Gus Darden. And finally, the San Rafael Pacifics have added pitcher Tanner Kane. Beyond the Pecos League transactions, the United Shores League dropped a 10-minute episode of a new interview series called Tossing It Around the League. We love to see that. That's why I'm shouting it out here. They did a good job, and it was a good, interesting interview with the Hoppers outfielder Noah Marcu. Great name, by the way. Noah Marcu with the X at the end. Sick, bro. Love that. Uh, is he Canadian? Is he from the Bayou? I don't know. I didn't Google him. That's on me. I think he's actually maybe even from, I don't know. I don't know where he's from. So uh, maybe I'll look that up. Maybe we'll do a deep dive on Noah Marcou now because he's like the first USPBL guy I've gotten to uh, even really shout out so far on this show. Uh, but yeah, go check that out. Again, it's called Tossing Around the League. It's on their YouTube channel. Uh, let's support good stuff happening like that in every indie league. I mean, rising tides and all that. I'm a firm believer there. So let's, uh, you know. Support indie leagues making good content because that's good for everybody. And we all sit around and we go, I wish the leagues would do better content. And now they do. So let's, you know, go watch. I like that. Um, lastly, there is the Yinzer League out there. The Yinzer League has not been mentioned by me. It is the Black Sox sort of centric league, which some of you may know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not. That's okay if you don't, if I'm being honest with you. Um, because I do plan to have Joe Torre on and he will tell you all about it. So there will be some Yinzer coverage on here. It's obviously in the Pittsburgh area, if you can't pick that one up, and sort of up in the Midwest. Uh, we will we will talk about them, but I want to sort of dive in with Joe Torre first because even I am only like halfway acquainted fully with how everything works over there. And uh, I know they have a very different vibe of like goal A is get dudes signed out of the league. So there's a different feel over there. And uh, I want him to be able to come on and express that and also just it's fun to talk to Joe. So that's kind of where my head's at. Uh, why would I say something when Joe can say it and say it better? Um, it just seems like common sense to me. So that is, if you're wondering, uh, which certain people have, including Joe, in my DMs, classic. Uh, if you're wondering, the Inter League will be discussed. It's just time and a place for it. And, you know, today was the deep dive of the Pecos. It might not come back up for a few weeks, but the Inzer will make its way back around. So 
Um, not to compare the two. I actually think the yins are better, full disclosure, but that's a different. We'll do that conversation another day. How about it? Um, but that's the situation. That's it. That's really what we got for the news. There wasn't much. Uh, it was the weekend, essentially. I got this episode, last episode posted on Saturday because I've been doing some battle with YouTube. And then I bumped this episode back to Tuesday for my own sanity. Uh, but not much happened. I was like, an extra day. Let's see if it gets chaotic. It didn't. <laughs> there was not that much chaos. So that's why we're deep diving Pecos with moves and all that stuff. Uh, but with then all the news out of the way, we will be talking about uh, the roster rules, as I mentioned previously. But before we proceed into rules talk, I want to remind everyone that you can follow Indie Ball Nation on Instagram and on Twitter at Indie Ball Nation. It should be up on the screen if you're watching on the YouTube. Uh, you can also go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel as you please. I like when you do. It's okay if you don't. Won't be too hurt by it, but kind of get it if I'm being honest with you. But you know, if you want to subscribe, subscribe. If you want to hit the little bell thing, get notifications. I don't think it's a bell anymore, but different. You know, that's what like cool YouTubers say, or you know, air quote cool YouTubers say. So I'm always tempted to say, hit the bell, or hit the. I think it's a drop down or something now. So semantics. Uh, so far, also beyond just the YouTube and then our social media channels. Uh, the show is available in podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Podchaser, and some others. By next week, I'm hoping the show is officially listed on Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm going to try to keep you sort of in the loop on that. I'll even try to tip you off on uh, the social media pages. So if you're following there, you should know in advance. If not, I'll at least mention it. Um, because those are the two of the big ones. And of course, those are the ones with the longest wait. Uh, speaking of next week, Show preview for Friday. We've got Nick Firestone coming on from Indie Ball Report. Uh, I got an interesting Atlantic League story cooking. Uh, Nick and I are going to discuss a bunch of stuff, so I'm not even going to go into that. But Indie Ball Report, it's great. He's great. Excited to talk to him. Uh, I've mentioned a few times now. But I do have an interesting Atlantic League story I'm cooking up. Um, I'm hoping to have enough sources to run on it. And maybe we can talk about it on Friday, if not, uh, I think certainly Monday. So, again, hopefully I can get that going. It's... Uh, we were talking Atlantic League scheduling last week, and a couple things now crossed my radar. I was like, I think Atlantic League scheduling has been normal this year. It's not been. That's a lie. Uh, so we will have to dive into that now, won't we? Uh, again, that'll be Friday and uh, or Monday. Uh, those are our normal days. Uh, again, the Tuesday show, just because with the delays from last week, I just wanted to sort of get a little space from the Friday, which became a Saturday episode. I didn't want to go right back into a Monday. So thank you for bearing with me on that as we do all of our normal wrestling with social media channels. Now, with that housekeeping out of the way, about those roster rules, we will try not to go way too in-depth because roster rules tend to have, like, exceptions, and then exceptions to the exceptions. So I'm going to try to make this digestible both for you and me, uh, for my own sanity, for our own time, and all of that. I'm not against having a briefer episode. This time, we went a little long last week talking about what we would do if we took over Indie Ball. And I think... Uh, Friday's episode could be long with the interview, so I'm trying to keep this pretty straightforward here. And speaking of straightforward, we'll start with the Atlantic League, which is pretty straightforward when it comes to roster rules. But, like, good luck finding the rules anywhere. It's brutal. Uh, but what I do know from working in the league, there's a monthly budget for each team. That's basically the constraints you got. Um, something that's like fifty-four dollars to $55,000 a month and with a max monthly salary of about three k per player. Last year, they did add something that the American Association also has, which is there's like a couple players you can select on your roster, and you can pay them up to like five grand uh, per month. Uh, but I don't think I saw any teams doing that, and I don't think it was fully expressed to players that that was an option too. So if you're a player out there and you're trying to get some negotiating leverage, keep it in mind there might be something you can do. Um, 
And then if your team gets mad, don't say I did it um, because uh, I don't want to get in trouble and I don't really feel like dealing with that right now. Um, but, you know, I'm down for the boys. I want the boys to get paid. So, you know, if you're going to go get paid, get paid. And if Ryan, you know, got your couple extra grand a month, kick a tip. You know what I'm saying? A little something. At least subscribe. Anyway. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, you can keep 27 players on the active roster last I saw. And that's the Atlantic League. I mean, I won't have budget numbers on all these leagues. Uh, they are like a closely guarded thing within much league, within most leagues. Uh, but I do know the Atlantic League pretty well. So there you go with that one. And that is essentially the limit of the limits. It's just the money. Uh, so it is worth mentioning some of the specifics there. Moving along, let's start getting into the more complicated stuff here. The American Association. The roster limit for an American Association club is 25 players with a minimum of 20. you got to be down to that line uh, by two days before opening day. Uh, you can have an additional two players on the disabled list of those. Injured list? I guess they're calling it the injured list nowadays. Whatever. Uh, of those 25 players, a maximum of six of those may be veterans, and a minimum of five must be rookie or LS1, and we're going to talk about what that means uh, we are talking about there, there's sort of lower minimums on, you know, the minimum number of guys. You have a f different classifications for a smaller roster, but again, we'll get there. Uh, if you're wondering about preseason, uh, you can have a maximum of 30 players uh, under contract at any one time without any regard to like their experience or classification. So let's talk about classifications. Uh, first, you got the rookie classification in the American Association. They have as a player with less than one year of service. Now, Let's backtrack to talk about what a year of service is. A year of service, according to the American Association, would be 75 official at-bats or more in an MLB PBL league. So, like, that's, like, the fancy minor league term, isn't it? Uh, like, development league, whatever. Uh, or an independent league or leagues in any season prior to the present uh, calendar year. So, professional leagues within, like, the MILB and indie ball circuit uh, before the season started or before the calendar year. Uh, or so 75 official bats or 30 innings or more uh, in those leagues pitched if you're a pitcher. Uh, independent or short season rookie league service, that counts. So like so the shorter leagues are uh, the first two years of service equals one uh, MLB. Uh, actually, as I'm looking at it, it looks like it's written like one independent league season. The first two years of service in one of those is one MLB one. So you get like a bonus year, I guess. So if you do like two years of indie ball, they'll count it as one. Interesting. It did make more sense with short season and rookie league service. It's so funny. I'm like just realizing this now. Like, I guess it's one of those things where you read it one way and then you take a break from reading it and then you come back and like, oh, that reads differently now. So we all just learned something together uh, on this podcast, I think. Uh, slash channel. Hi, what's up, YouTube? Uh, foreign players classification and salary level will be determined by the deputy commissioner, which is by the way, a pretty cool sounding job title. So squat on that one. Uh, Moving along, though, so we talked about rookie. That's less than one year of service. You got LS1, which is less than two years of service. LS2, which is less than three years. I wish these numbers matched up. It drives me crazy constantly when I'm trying to track who's on rosters and who has limits. Um, LS4, uh, LS3 is four years. LS4 is a player with less than five years of service. Two of the six LS4 players that you can have may be an LS5 player, which means they have less than six years of service. Then... A veteran player is a player with six or more years of service. If a player has six or more years of service but has not reached the age of 27 before September 1st of that season, he will be considered LS4. So basically, if you're young but you're a veteran, they'll still bounce you back to being LS4 just for the sake of rosters. The purpose of this is to get younger guys in there, give them a chance to develop, give them a chance to get signed, and not just load rosters up with like former MLB talent or like slightly aged out minor leaguers who can still ball out 
getting young guys in there to cycle through. So essentially saying, all right, if you were like playing in pro ball when you're 19 or 20, all of a sudden you're going to be counted as a vet and it's going to be hard for you to get a roster spot in the American Association, which isn't really fair. Some of the league wants, some of the players want. So they do have an exception in there. And you'll see something similar in the frontier where if you're not a certain age, you can be classified basically as more or less senior than you actually are, which is a good thing to keep in mind. And again, most of us are going to be following this. And I mean, a lot of us probably have already checked out and I get that. But this is more for like the hardcores who are tracking like their favorite team and how uh, the roster is coming together. And you're looking at things like, well, you know, if you know the guy's classification, you can sit there and say, well, you know, uh, we have it gets complicated. We'll talk about this a little bit, too. Of, You know, we got this number of LS fours, but we can only have, you know, two LS fives. And all these guys now, like we had four great players. Now we got to pair it down to two. So you got to start making some moves. And you know that your team has to deal a couple guys or release a couple guys. So it, it helps you kind of envision what that team that you're a big fan of, especially if you're into this stuff, uh, you must be a big fan of what they're up to. As I mentioned on to the Frontier League here, the regular season and playoff rosters are composed of 22 active players and a maximum of 24, minimum of 22, maximum of 24. Um, in the offseason, teams may have no more than 34 players, and all the way up to 34 on their active roster. There is no limit classification-wise, which, again, we'll talk about Frontier League classifications in a moment, so they can be of any age, experience level, yada, yada. Uh, there's also something that you can, uh, like, if they sign someone out of the California Winter League or in the Frontier League draft, they're actually exempt from the 34-player uh, limit as well, so they're trying to encourage that kind of signing going on there, which is good to keep in mind. Uh, it does make things a little bit tough when you're trying to like track, all right, how much roster space do they have? But then they have like four random guys that they picked up through those means. You're like, well, okay, so they can have even more people. But neither here nor there. That's a Ryan struggle more than anything. And I understand that no one related to the fact that I just said that. Though, the Sunday prior to opening day, that is when they do need to be down to 28 players and then further down to their active roster. Now, talking about those classifications of players, the rookie classification has two subclassifications in the Frontier League, rookie one and rookie two. Rookie one, those are players who made their professional debut in the current season and therefore have no professional experience beyond what they're doing right now in this moment. Looking at rookie two, those are guys who have one year of professional experience at this point. Uh, experience classification is all players who do not meet the requirements to be classified under rookie or veteran. So basically they have more than one year of professional experience and they're not quite a veteran yet. And what is a veteran? Well, it's a player who is over 29 years of age prior to October 1st of that playing season. Uh, so, for example, for the 2023 season, I believe it's any player born on or before September 30th, 1994 is a veteran classification. So, I think it's funny. Just drawing a line and be like, mm, you count as old. Like, I think it's kind of wild, but I do get you got to draw a line somewhere, which is kind of funny to think about. Uh, each club must carry a minimum of 10 of those rookie classifications, so guys with 0 to 1. And when we talk about how the Frontier League is still a bit behind the American and Atlantic League when it comes to... Uh, talent level and you know their ability to compete well now you're seeing why when 10 of the 24 players that they are carrying have to be in their first year of professional baseball experience so or the first or second year i guess technically uh so again keep that in mind too as we talk about you know comparing teams and all of that uh clubs may carry a maximum of 14 players that are classified as experienced or veteran but no more than four of these players may be veteran classifications again we think about um, the number of veterans that uh, the American Association can have it, and the fact that it's unlimited in the Atlantic League, you're starting to get kind of how things shake out in the way that they do within the Indy Leagues. Uh, they do have some exemptions here when it comes to that. And again, congrats if you're still following along. It's all good. Um, but uh, when it comes down to it, 
there's exceptions like the minimum appearance exception. So basically, like we said, what quali- uh, qualifies as a year of play in the American Association? They have something similar in the uh, Frontier, where a player has to have had 75 at-bats, 15 games pitched, or 30 innings pitched in a season for that season to count toward the classifications. The Frontier League, like the American, also has an exception to sort of protect younger players and try to keep them in the league a little bit. Uh, so there's a 21-year-old exemption, uh, which says essentially that any player who is 21 or younger uh, on that October 1st date that we talked about, and they're entering their first Frontier League season, regardless of how many prior seasons they've played professionally, will be considered a rookie two in the Frontier League rules. There's in addition like a military exemption uh, for if you're in the military, and like a position change exemption if you're going from like pitcher to hitter or vice versa. So it's something to keep in mind too, because occasionally you will see it within the indie leagues, a guy reinventing the career. Uh, lastly, we'll touch on the Pioneer League here. The PBL has a service time limit of three years of professional experience. Uh, so really, you can see why the Pioneer League, when it comes down to it, shakes out lower than the Frontier and all of them, when you only have uh, three years of professional experience. And uh, adios, my friend. A year of professional experience is defined as follows. Position players, 45 games played. Starting pitchers, 10 games started. And uh, just pitchers in general, 25 games played, I think it is. Um, when it comes to roster size, clubs may carry an active roster of up to 25 players. Uh, players inactive due to injury do not count against that roster limit. Uh, and players drafted from a sanctioned tryout camp uh, to expand the roster, you can have an additional spot for a guy who was drafted uh, through a tryout camp that is like sanctioned with the Pioneer League, which is deep into the semantics. So we are going to back away from that. Um, each club, though, can determine their own spring training roster size. So that's pretty laid back. Uh, uh, I couldn't get anything for the Empire League or the United Shores League. Did find something for the Pecos. Look, is, is this a Pecos League pod today? It's a Pecos League pod. Teams, they can carry a 22-man roster in the Pecos, an active roster, plus a 25-man expanded roster. Each player will be defined as a rookie or a veteran on the team's roster. Please don't ask me because I could not find the difference between the two. I really feel like it's whether you have any professional experience or not, rookie or a vet. But I could be a little off there. The Pecos League is always a little hard to find some things on when it comes to specifics, and I almost feel like that's intentional sometimes, but that's neither here nor there. A player who has moved off of the expanded roster for any reason including but not limited to release or injury is not permitted onto the expanded roster again until after 14 days from the release. So that's sort of the gist of it. Why are we going into it? Well, we're probably all going to forget it. I'll forget it. I forget all the time, uh, but it is good to know. And it's sort of good to sort of, I guess, check back on. Uh, I'll probably cut this into its own video on YouTube just so we can always flip back if we would like. But when it comes to, you know, what's going on why sometimes you'll see a weird release of a guy or a weird trade and you realize it's essentially trading roster space to each other which is something that you don't really think about and again when it comes to well why don't you know why doesn't the frontier league have the ability to compete with the american association or vice versa or why do we a lot of times focus on the atlantic league and the american association uh when it would just take it for granted that those teams are almost across the board better than the frontier and the pioneer it's not a disrespect thing. It's just, it's literally just an experience thing. It's the way it works out. Uh, when one team has the ability to sign whoever they want and another team has the ability to sign older guys and one team doesn't have the ability to sign anybody who's older than like 25, it's a very different situation. Um, again, the more the league focuses on youth and lack of experience, essentially, you can kind of bet the more they're into the development side and getting guys noticed by clubs and scouted and signed for the first time, uh, rather than, you know, the Atlantic League, which is really into like, hey, man, if you're not going to be back, get over here and we'll see what we can do. So that's the difference. Um, 
one of many. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about all the differences and similarities of these leagues. I can tell you because we already talked about it in uh, episode number one. And we talked about it a little bit in episode two, I think. And now here we are in three. So it's kind of a theme. But that's what I got. If you have any other thoughts, any questions on the roster rules, feel free to comment, to hit me up, DM me, whatever. I'm pretty easy to get in contact with. I try my best to be. I'm not very important. I am not very uh, fancy when it comes to, uh, you know, who I will and will not speak to. I'll talk any ball with anybody. That's why I'm here. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself. Y'all have a good one. I may not have a lot, but I love what I got. A four by four and a good fishing spot. I hope this time my card won't decline.